Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to Black Women Are Scary, the podcast that celebrates people of color writing in horror. Why horror? Well, for us here at Dusky Projects, it's always about adventure and resilience. Horror stories build new worlds, where people triumph in the worst case scenarios. We're always seeking out those worlds, especially when the heroes look like us and the people we love. I'm Hinaides, your host for today's episode and the director and co-producer of this podcast, brought to your ears by Dusky Projects, a group of misfits that create horror and sci-fi works. We're all about carving out spaces for celebration and joy while facing the monsters together. So lean in with me and listen to our scary story. And then I wake up by Wimoto Nayoka. Do you know El Coco? Maritza asks suddenly while picking at her uninspiring salad. She looks forlornly at my french fries. The shapeshifter from that show on HBO? I thought it was El Cuco. Sort of. It's like a boogeyman. It's what your parents say when they don't want you to do something or go somewhere. They tell you El Coco will get you. My family always said Coco. Why is it always fear-mongering? I sighed. Because it works, Maritza replied flatly before throwing away her salad. We just had the regular monsters under the bed, I explained while moving my french fry center to share. Why? It's my sleep obstacle. Your Coco Boogeyman? My recurring nightmare, she corrects. She takes one bite of my french fries, flinches, and places the uneaten half on her napkin. What's wrong? Maritza doesn't seem to hear my question and continues with a distant expression on her face. It's this weird, amorphous thing that slides down my bedroom wall. Huh? And then hovers over my body to like... I don't know. Put something down my throat? Ew. And kind of smothers me gently? It makes me feel horrible. I just sleepwalk. I never dream. You never dream? That's weird. She smiles, and I smile back, then let my eyes drift around the cafeteria. I wonder what their sleep obstacles are, Maritza says wistfully, as if reading my mind. I wonder if theirs are going away, I respond dryly. I wait for the witty comeback, but Maritza's face falls into a more somber expression. It feels so real, you know? Doesn't it always? Here at the Sleep Therapy Institute. My game show host impersonation doesn't lighten the mood, and she hits me with, I haven't had this nightmare since I was a kid. What about you? You've been sleepwalking all your life? The truth is, my sleepwalking came back only recently, and I purse my lips together from embarrassment. 
I know I'm too old to be spending my Saturdays doing this new age therapy crap, but I'm also desperate. I just couldn't take waking up in the middle of the street in my underwear again. My stomach drops at the thought, and I lean back from lunch. Maybe it's just anxiety, she offers. Sure. Do you remember El Coco? The one I told you about last week? Moritza asks meekly. She has only a cup of tea this time, and there are dark circles under her eyes. Yeah, I looked it up. The mythical ghost monster, like a Latino boogeyman. Or, well, not that the monster has an ethnicity, but it's like only in Latin American cultures. Moritza takes a sip of her tea and grimaces before pushing it aside. Something's happening to me. What do you mean? I feel different. From the medication? Maritza takes a small inhale before admitting. I'm not taking it. I feel my eyebrows come together like magnets. Level with me. You don't think any of this is... off? Not even her? She nods her chin in the direction of a striking woman speaking to a staff member. What's her name? What does she do here? When are we going to have a session with her? So many questions. We're not going to have a session with her, I respond quickly, and it's Maritza's turn to move her eyebrows. How do you know? I don't answer and pull my eyes away from the mysterious woman. Her dark suits, sleek shoes, and sphere hair bun, coupled with the expensive smell of her perfume, tell me she's in charge. But there's more to it than that. She has an icy demeanor that makes goosebumps bloom all over my arms. Hello? Maritza presses. The therapy is voluntary. If it's not working for you, screw it, right? There's other things. <sighs> not for me. Maritza sighs the word out as she reaches for her tea again and tries to take another sip. What do you mean? I ask, keeping my voice calm but feeling a creeping anxiety rise in my stomach. I've tried everything. If this doesn't work... Her shoulders slump and that seems to punctuate her sentence. Looking at Maritza, I begin to notice the new creases in her skin, how thin she seems, and her uncustomary messy hairdo. I want to tell her that this is the last stop for me as well, that everything they've given me for my sleepwalking has only resulted in nights full of darkness. I don't walk anymore, I don't dream, nothing happens, and I can't even begin to describe how terrifying it is. It's like going into a coma every night, and each morning is coated in a dull anxiety that I can't seem to shake. I think about all of this, but instead, I come back with, Let's go out for a drink. She nods. My one-time drink offer turned into a weekly post-therapy tradition. Usually, we just let off some steam and crack jokes, but this time was different. And when the doc was done counting backwards, it was like I was there in the dream, the nightmare, but I could hear her soft voice letting me know it wasn't real. She shivered. It was like lucid dreaming? I asked. She said hypnosis is just relaxing enough so you can really concentrate. That's why we didn't do it at first. 
first. I needed to be comfortable, you know? Feel safe? <laughs> I snorted a laugh, and Maritza looked momentarily hurt. What? You don't feel safe. You were talking about stopping treatment. I didn't say that. You said that. She corrects. My lips hover over my glass of wine as I watch her gulp down hers. It was a shadow. It slid up my body and put something down my throat. I had my eyes open and it sounded like I was trying to scream. I couldn't fight back. I didn't know what to say, so I just reached for her hand. I didn't see anything else in the room or anyone else. There were no clues. Clues? What do you mean? Well, I thought, maybe it's a memory in disguise, you know? It's really about something else, and I just have to be strong enough to face it. A repressed memory or something. I agreed. I reflected on my sleepwalking, and was about to share an anecdote when Maritza dropped a bomb. That's what I thought, anyways. Until last night, for the first time in ages, I didn't have the nightmare. But when I woke up to shower, I found this. She pulls up her shirt, carefully, to reveal oval-shaped bruises on either side of her stomach. I couldn't stop myself from inhaling sharply, and Maritza did her best to bite back tears. Do they hurt? She shakes her head. Have you gone to a doctor about them? She nods. Then she starts to cry. <sighs> I'm pregnant. I froze, and for a long while we just sat there, until our waiter broke the silence to ask if we wanted another round. I say nothing, but Maritza orders shots. Are you seeing someone? No. She whimpers. Have you gone out recently? Been around. Rapists? She chokes. I feel my chest sink into my stomach as panic takes over. I have no idea how to help my friend or what any of this could mean. The waiter brings the shots and she tosses back two in a row. With each one, I look at her stomach. Were you... They can't tell. But if I was, I hope I miscarry. We don't have to wait for that. You have choices. I could go with you, if that's what you decide. This is gonna sound weird, but do you mind staying over? It's okay, if of course. And it's not weird. The lamp in the corner of Maritza's bedroom gave off a soft glow, more like candlelight than a light bulb, casting shadows on her face that hid her eyes. I couldn't see the tears, but I knew she was crying, though she did a good job of keeping her voice steady. I've always had nightmares, you know? My whole life, actually. I used to draw them, but then that got me into trouble. She turned her head into the pillow to dab her face before continuing. Kid drawing creepy pics, monsters, blah, blah, blah. She sighed before tucking her hands under her cheek and falling completely silent. I lay on my side, facing her, listening to her steady breathing, and then my own. My face is warm from the alcohol, I think. Or maybe it's just the blanket draped over us. I I've been sleepwalking since I was a kid started after my little sister disappeared. I can feel her eyes open, and I know she's staring at me. 
What do you see when you sleepwalk? She whispers intensely. People never ask me that. They always want to know about the disappearance. Who took her? How old was I? Or they ask really morbid things about my family and having a funeral without a body. They want to know my innermost feelings and I can always feel them looking for stitches to pull so they can get close to the tragedy. Like trauma is something you can vacation in as long as it's not yours. I see shadows. Everything is fuzzy, heavy, and I know I'm not alone. I sneak around and it feels like I'm getting away with something. What kind of shadows do you see? Her question makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up, but maybe it's just because I'm a little drunk. I'm scared to tell her the truth, but I'm also dying to finally tell someone that isn't a doctor. It's like a forest, but it's alive. And there's something big with them. It wants to get close to me. I'd always wake up with scratches or bloody knuckles like I'd been fighting. Maritza visibly shivers. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to freak you out. That's what my thing is like too. When I watched myself, it looked like I was in my room, but at the same time, I wasn't. I knew that it had been wanting to get close to me, and it was glad to be with me. She starts to cry, and I wrap my arms around her without thinking. I'm scared. Me too. I slid out from under the covers and tiptoe to the bathroom. The apartment looked so different in the morning sun. There's yellows next to purples, art on the walls, throw pillows with beads, flowers, and clothes tossed lazily onto the furniture. The person who lives here takes up the whole space, and I realized that if it weren't for the situation we're in, we'd never have become friends. I'm not the kind that makes much of an impression. I make my way to the bathroom and frown at the sight of my lopsided afro in the mirror. I have no way to fix this, and for some reason, this feels symbolic. I smirk at the thought, but it fades instantly. What if, what if something, something truly, truly awful, awful is, is happening? happening? My thoughts are interrupted with a scream, and I bolt back to the bedroom to find Maritza, sitting up in bed, staring in horror at her body. What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? She screeches as she stumbles out, trying to run away from herself. I step slowly towards her, unable to believe what I'm seeing. I slowly reach out my hand and put it on Maritza's now very pregnant belly. Something kicks from inside, and we both scream. I'm calling 911. Maritza responds with weeping and begins to panic. I gasp as her belly moves and wiggles from the inside. She wails before falling over. Pain seems to strike her like lightning, and for a moment all she does is hold her mouth open soundlessly. The scream tumbles out after, and the delay brings tears to my eyes. Make it stop! She begs as I scramble to my phone and call the ambulance. A dark purple substance begins to ooze down the inside of her thighs. She puts her hands on her legs, and shrieks when she feels the ooze. She quickly holds her hand up and screams when she sees that it's purple. 
I crawl across the bed and try and hold her down as she kicks in pain. Make it stop! Her flesh wiggles upwards this time, and I punch her belly as hard as I can without thinking. Kill it! She gasps. I punch down again with all the strength in my body, and her belly goes still. We wait in a terrible silence that seems to last an eternity, and we both start to tremble. What's happening to me? She croaks. I called the ambulance. They'll be here soon, just... My consoling is interrupted by her violent shaking. Her eyes roll back into her head as a seizure takes over. Maritza! The purple ooze begins to leak from her ears, her nose, her mouth, and finally her eyes. I cover my mouth in terror and helplessness grips all the muscles in my body as the skin on her belly splits. I scramble off the bed and stumble to the center of the room. Another split freezes me in my spot and I look on, motionless, as her skin is pulled back to reveal branches of shadows blossoming from her middle. A creature rises from her flesh as the room starts to fade and blur. I can feel all the blood in my body rush up towards my head, and that familiar feeling of weighted air wraps around my shoulders like a jacket. The creature slithers down her legs as the room shifts. All I do is watch. Maritza is consumed by an army of spiders that bubble up from beneath her. I smell something rotten, and I can feel a presence approaching from behind me. I know you. I begin to slowly turn my head. The shadows recede like fog, and sunlight floods my vision as my eyes reset. Someone puts an oxygen mask on my face, and I can only assume the paramedics found us. I look towards the bed for Maritza, but there's no sign of the creature, or her. What is that smell? Says one of the paramedics as they wheel me out of her apartment. We can't leave her. I hear myself whimper before everything disappears, and I slip into unconsciousness. What does she remember? Asks a throaty woman's voice. We don't know yet, replies a second, more timid voice. Why is that? The throaty voice demands. Need I remind you she's the only sleepwalker we've got? She has to heal. I can't. We can finally start to attack. No more failed attempts at capture. No more evading. No more running. Begin the work as soon as she's up. I hear high-heeled shoes click away from me, and a wave of expensive perfume trails them. I try to see who was speaking but my eyelids are as heavy as rocks. My muscles tense in an effort to move, and electric currents of pain roll over me. I try to cry out, but only manage a dry heave through my oxygen mask. Shh. Rest now. Rest, says the timid voice. I slip away again. When I come to, I find myself in a sparse hospital room. A woman comes in wearing burgundy scrubs. Glad to see you up, she says, and I recognize her timid voice. Where am I? Can you tell me what you remember? She asks gently. You didn't answer my question. You're safe. You're at the Institute. The Institute? I croak while trying to sit up. Maritza was right, and I can feel my heart begin an aggressive rhythm against my ribs as I move to get out of the bed. Wait, please. You can't keep me. Wait, please. Calm down. 
says the nurse in a surprisingly even tone. Screw you. The therapy was voluntary, and I don't want to volunteer anymore, understand? Now, where are my clothes? To my surprise, Miss Nice Voice doesn't give much resistance. Her shoulders slump in disappointment, and the corners of her mouth seem to settle into a sad shape. We're not going to hurt you. We're on your side. Her tone is so earnest that for a moment I feel my cheeks grow hot with embarrassment. My side of what? You're the only sleepwalker we've got. No one's been able to get as close as you have. I feel all the hairs on my body stiffen and stand with terror. It's okay. It's okay. I'll explain everything. She continues in her even, soft tone. She then pulls out a small pen light and says, Let me at least check you first. Can you follow the light with your eyes? She swings the pen light to one side and then the other. Can you follow the light? Her voice feels like sunlight on my face. I follow the light as she continues. What happened to I feel my breath slow and my limbs settle onto the hospital bed sheets. She had bruises all over her stomach. She's pregnant, I hear myself say. What happened to She wants to leave. It wasn't working, so she fell asleep and woke up scared. My words float in the room with my thoughts. I see them dancing in the air like bubbles. What happened to Maritza? A warm sensation moves from in between my eyebrows down to my crotch, and my voice follows it. I feel a throaty response slide out of my mouth. The creature tore through her and left her body to its world. It brought the shadows with it before it slithered away. What else is The other. The old one. What did the old one do? reach for me. Why? Grief dances up from my toes as I watch the light swing, pushing my thought bubbles through the air like dust in a sunbeam. I'm crying, and I can't stop, and my voice, my voice, it reaches because I remember. A lightning bolt of pain travels down my spine, and the room is swallowed by shadows. The air falls on my shoulders like hail, and I know immediately where I am. My nostrils flare from the rancid, wet smell as a presence rises up behind me and looms over me from a great height. I sprint, and I am already out in the street when daylight claws its way back into my vision. Miss Nice Voice puts her hand up to the cursing man behind the car horn. She wraps a blanket around my shoulders and guides me to the sidewalk as I look up and recognize the outside of the Sleep Therapy Institute. Boy, you really move fast in that state, she says through haggard breaths. My hand feels wet, and I look down to find blood on my knuckles. I'm going home. I've been up for 72 hours, and things are getting fuzzy. My appetite swings from non-existent to ravenous, and a dull tone of anxiety fills my days along with panic attacks that take over my body whenever I try to sleep. I won't survive like this. My phone rings for the zillionth time, and I don't bother to look. I know who is on the other side. Miss Nice Voice is leaving another message, begging me to come back but explaining nothing. The phone rings again, but this time I pick up. Tell me everything or I'll change my number. I threaten. And then what? Never sleep again? 
replies a throaty voice. I inhale sharply in surprise. Miss Husky Miss voice and wheels. 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 I'm not coming back. You people are nuts. I don't know what you did. I know you don't think we did this to you. She cuts me off with the kind of ease that comes with knowing you're in charge. You're not a stupid woman, Miss Loretta Ives. The use of my name catches me off guard, and for a moment, I'm speechless. She seizes the silence to continue with, You've escaped it twice now. Three if you count the initial encounter shortly after your sister's funeral. I feel tears sting the side of my eyes. I'm sending you a package. It should be arriving shortly. I think you'll find it useful in ensuring your success. Call me when it's finished. When what's finished? I demand. There's a brief silence, and I swear I can hear her smirk. She hangs up, and anger grips my throat, only to be interrupted by a knock at my door. I creep towards it and pause with my hand on the doorknob. I consider never opening my door again before giving in to my curiosity. On my humble welcome mat, there's a thick, solitary manila envelope. I bring it in to spill its contents over the kitchen table of my sparse studio apartment. The envelope contains what looks like transcripts and sketches, all of them describing encounters with the creature. I find a USB in all the paper, and I plug it into my laptop. The next five hours is like falling down a rabbit hole in a hell dimension. As I sift through missing persons case files with witnesses claiming the victims suffered from vivid nightmares followed by an abnormal pregnancy, I read historical texts describing a shadow beast that chooses women from the time their children as its host. More like baby mama, I say aloud to no one, and finish a jar of peanut butter. My cursor hovers over the last unopened file. Call me when it's finished, she had said. I take a deep breath and click on the title, Death and Destruction. Standing over the lit candle, the sole source of light in my studio, I watch my breath make smoke puffs in the frigid air. I've turned off the heat just as the file said to do and clench my fingers around the antidote in my pocket. I keep my stance wide and my breathing steady. Eventually, I hear the heavy breathing that's accompanying mine and the smell that follows soon after. The wet, rancid smell fills my nostrils as I feel a presence slide down a nearby wall and edge its way closer to me. I want to see Maritza. A breeze washes over me, though all the windows are closed, and the flame goes out. The apartment becomes an abyss, and I can feel myself being pulled into it. I feel a pressure against my body and keep my hands clenched in my pockets. I keep my breath steady as the temperature continues to drop. The smell gets stronger, and I sense the tendrils before they make their way to my face. They touch my cheeks and forehead, as if studying my expression, but I know it's just looking for an opening. It's gentle, soft even, and I do my best to stay calm, even though I know what's coming next. Wet, squishy, sentient tubes glide up my nostrils towards my eyes, and my mouth opens reflexively for air. I wait, 
It stretches up towards my lips as I close my eyes and try not to cry. I have the protection markings on my chest. I drew them on with a pen. DIY brujeria. And I've taken the poison, as per the recipe listed. Ten minutes before I have to take the antidote. Ten minutes to defeat a monster. Sure, why not? I stare at the back of my eyelids, playing out scenes from my life, but not much springs to mind. Stopping this creature will be the only thing of note, and no one will know I did it, except Maritza, who's dead. I feel the monster stretch its way past my lips, and I yawn to make room and appear willing. It takes the invitation and gurgles with what sounds like delight. And that's my cue. The poison surges through my veins, granting me a brief moment of super strength, and I bite down with all my might. A terrible screech rips through the void as my jaws become iron gates that crash closed, allowing the poison to flow from me to it. I ball up my hands into fists and hold on as it rolls and screams, terrified of its newly solid form. I want to smile as the air leaves my lungs and my muscles start to give. It throws me, and I soar before crashing on the wood floor of my studio apartment. The tincture with the antidote rolls out of my pocket and disappears into the darkness. The candle is knocked over, and its flame travels faster than it should, setting the place ablaze before I can even pull myself up to stand. Its shrieks pierce my eardrums as it cooks in the heat, too weak to shift back to the shadows. I stay laid out on the floor to avoid its flailing, and the room fills with the smell of singed scales and ash. Squinting through the smoke, I reach out, hoping that I might get lucky and find the antidote. But the creature starts to bubble over, and I vomit from the scent of its death. I drag my feet under me and manage to make it to the door before stumbling out into the hallway where vague shadows of neighbors run towards the exit. I follow them towards whirling streetlights and sirens. Having collapsed on the cold, wet cement of the sidewalk, I suddenly feel hands lift me towards shapeless halos. There's a stiff mattress at my back, and air fills my nostrils as amorphous angels yell over me. I think I'm moving, but I can't tell if it's up or forward. The angels open my shirt, and something cold spreads across my chest. I can't feel my legs or arms, and it's hard to keep my eyes open. Everything keeps getting brighter, and all I see is daylight, forever and forever. I turn my head, and Maritza is lying beside me. What are you doing here? I'm not sure, I croak. You've come a long way to not be sure. Are you here for me? Okay. That doesn't sound very convincing, she says, laughing. Where are we? You're in an ambulance. Why are you there? I killed it, I say. You killed one of them, Maritza corrects. What? You killed one of them. There's more. There's always more. A wave of sadness and defeat drowns me. So much for doing something of note. Don't. That's not why we're talking. I need you to stop dying. I'm sorry. I tell her, blinking away tears. You're the only sleepwalker we've got, Lo. Think how much ass you could kick. A smile spreads across her face, and I can feel my heart break. I didn't save you. I'm sorry. You weren't meant to. So stop dying. 
Sleepwalkers can get close. You can get close, she tells me, tenderly, as she reaches her hand to my cheek. Her touch sends a pain to my ribs that shoots its way down to the small of my back like a bullet. They chose us when we're children. My throat and eyes start to burn, and I try to scream as she continues to hold my face. But some children are chosen. Veins in my arms bulge and stretch forward as if being pulled by magnets. You can't stop anything if you're dead. She leans in towards me, and goosebumps spread like a bushfire across my body. Her face is a white-hot blaze of sound and ferocity. Live. Maritza echoes before kissing me and making reality pull back. Suddenly, there are blues and whites looming over me, beeping machines, and someone is screaming. It takes me a full minute to realize it's me. She's conscious. Hold her down. I scream and scream as air sweeps through my lungs and every inch of me explodes in pain. Sedate her. I gasp as it all goes dark. When I manage to come to, Miss Husky Voice is sitting at the edge of my hospital bed. I try to ask questions, but can't find my voice. Don't bother. Your vocal cords will be useless for a while due to the poison and, of course, the tentacles. She moves to my side and the expensive smell of her perfume overwhelms me. I'm here to offer you purpose. You are not alone in this purpose and will work in a team to ensure success. You will face many things, Miss Ives, and you will be ever more successful. Do you know why? She leans in and her gaze pins me to the bed. Because you know there is no other option. I wheeze softly, and it's clear that she doesn't care. You were right to hide, Loretta, she continues. But now, it's time to attack. She sits up and calmly gazes down at me. I'll give you a moment to think about it. When you're ready, press the button for the nurse. She'll make sure you don't run out into the street this time. She stands gracefully. Oh, and if you don't, press the button, that is. You'll never see us again, and we won't be able to help you when more come for you. She finishes as she saunters out, leaving me to breathe through the tubes in my nose and consider my survival. I stare at the clumsy symbols drawn on my chest and remember my sister, my parents' grief, the smile that touched the corners of my mouth as the creature was dying and Maritza's face near mine. Live, I hear her say. I press the button. Thank you for joining us. And Then I Wake Up was written by Yimoto Nyoka and performed by Eleanor T. Vanderberg. Sound design was brought to you by the creative mind of Nirana Singh and I, here as your humble horror host, I'm Hinedis Garcia. If you'd like to support our podcast, you can make a tax-deductible donation at the link provided on our page. You can also support by tuning in. We love that. We're here the last Friday of every month showcasing new authors and, of course, new scary stories. Till next time. <laughs>